0: GM, everyone, welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And this time around, we got taken for a spin on the legal Flywheel with what's going on from a regulatory standpoint, with uh, our own boots on the ground with Alex G. Uh, who's been in the trenches with us? And uh, this interview, we're not going to lie, it's a bit doomer for an American, but also like you know provides a lot of context of like where we're at right now and where we could see ourselves going. Kit, thoughts on this one? I think this provided a really good temperature check. Temp check where yeah, we are. This is you a know, temp check.
1: This, this, this is a really good. If you know all our audience, I'm pretty sure is glued to you know Unfolded or DP, you know Tier 10K, just to see all these regulatory news coming out. And Alex really gives you kind of that behind the scenes and peel the curtains back a little bit to get to see what is the temperature in the room of all these yeah, like and the such. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know,
0: the heat's kind of turning up on projects for sure. And it's just like, oh, like, where, what do we do? Where do we go now? So if you want to, you know, hear what's going on in this one and all our interviews, because, you know, we have all the alpha and everything in between, both with legal or like, not legal advice, (laughs) both with finance and everything in between. Give us a a like, give us a subscribe, hit that bell button um, and everything in between. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Flywheel DeFi. Join the conversation at Flywheel DeFi on Telegram. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDate22. You can follow me at 0 Capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH, but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into FraxETH today. Welcome everybody back to Flywheel. And today we have on a returning guest, one of our favorites. One of the wisest, someone from the legal class that knows legalese better than us plebs. We have on Alex G of Umani. And Alex, how are you doing today? Uh,
2: I'm, I'm doing great. How about how are you guys doing?
0: I'm doing really well, honestly. I just came back from a Frax event. And I'm, I'm in Hong Kong right now, and I got to say, I'm bullish. I'm bullish Hong Kong. I'm bullish Asia. Now I get it out here. Like I, I, get why you came out here.
1: Well, I know why you came out here, but like I get why you <laughs> stayed out here. Yeah, no, nah,
2: things are great. Things are great, Alex. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah. I'm, I'm fantastic. Uh, obviously, lots, lots been happening in the in the world of legal crypto and, uh in the I U.S. In, in the U.S. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: and, uh, and uh, just stoked to be back on here, chopping it up with you guys. I think we got a lot to talk about today.
0: There's much to talk about. And the dichotomy could not be further apart between the direction that Hong Kong is going as of recently and the direction that the US is going as of recently. And the topic of this podcast will be where the US is going. So let's get right into it. So this week, a lot has happened. We had a stablecoin bill drop. Gensler gave a testimony to Congress. There's so much to talk about. And we'll just start off with the stablecoin bill because you know what? We're a stablecoin podcast for fractionalists. So uh Alex I'm sure you've read the stablecoin bill what's your take on it um do you like it do you like what you see like what could be improved on it uh what are your thoughts uh
2: I think that that I'm kind of um I'm kind of neutral on it I like it in the sense that it exists right and that and that mm-hmm. there's some traction behind it so so you know I'm, I mean I'm not I don't want to make any sweeping pronouncements that it, it's going to pass because passing anything in the in the current legislature in the United States is is, is going to be challenging. But um, I do feel like this this has about as as much a chance as anything any other you know stablecoin bill in the past ha, has had of getting through. And so you know it's um, uh, my philosophy on that kind of thing is like let's not have the um, the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, I, yeah i
0: just that's an awesome shirt you're wearing is that like a triple nike thing going on you have right there
2: yeah it's like it, it's a, it's come to garcon and a nike collab you know it's it's uh they got
0: the, Ooh, vert- the vertical nike getting yeah. creative there yeah I feel, totally. and, and i and like i'm like thinking like how can we in crypto get creative in terms of getting like Some type of like crypto legislation passed in the U.S. because everything seems like an uphill battle. Everything is just like, you know, it's just like we're fighting. We're trying to like make our case. We're trying to like, you know, get some respect. And I feel like, in like the halls of Congress, whether it's in the Congress or in like traditional finance, it seems like defi and crypto doesn't get the respect as it does in other places in the world and like i'm not sure like what is like the sentiment you feel like in dc right now with crypto is it still like people are like still kind of hung over from ftx and like that's still like lagging around and like that's probably gonna make it like maybe a little bit more difficult to pass this cycle what are your thoughts there
2: yeah i mean i think that there's still some wariness because of ftx you know it's interesting i was at an event in dc gosh maybe like three weeks ago or so and uh or maybe like a month ago but but it was uh you know, it, it, it was, it was like a very, yeah, I went to it hot on the heels of like eat Denver, right? And eat Denver mm-hmm. was like craziness, like so much energy and so many, a lot of like young people and like new ideas and everything. And it was like, went to this event in DC and it was like almost 180 degrees opposite from what you saw in Denver. You know, you saw there's like, I met people there from, you know, big four accounting, huge law firms, you know. A lot of government people, Commissioner Pham spoke from the uh, CFTC. Uh, you had some FinCEN guys there. It was very policy-oriented. And uh, it was um, it, it was encouraging to see those people um, engage with digital assets and blockchain, you know, and trying to think about what's policy going to look like going forward. But it was discouraging in the sense that there were no new ideas. You know, it was it was mm. just just a rehash of. Uh,
0: so, of, what is that rehash of ideas? Like, what is the same shit that people are saying over and over again?
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's it's like a lot of it has to do a lot. The the the, the money laundering stuff is still at the front of everybody's mind, you know. And I think that that's like the the a big a big issue in DC as 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 mm. you have people uh, uh, who who are trying to figure out well, how do we engage with crypto? And like, it's almost like the first level of thought they have is like, well, how do we keep criminals from, from using this? And and that right there is is a, is a stumbling block, right? Because, you know, I mean, bank, uh, like criminals use banks a hell of a lot more than they use crypto, but nobody's like looking at banking regulation being like, our first issue is how do we stop criminals from using banks? You know, it's like, no, Mm -hmm. we want to, and, and, and so it's disappointing to me that the question is not the thought isn't, well, how do we put, how how do we ensure that the U S has a place as this like new rail of the global financial system is built, you know, that, and, and you see some people in the private sector, I think, I think kind of, kind of, kind of speaking about that, but, but not, uh, 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 in, in, in government, in government, it's still, well, you know, how do we, and so then once you get past the money laundering stuff, they get into like, well, how do we fit these, um, new technologies into the sort of the existing buckets in terms of like disclosure requirements and that kind of thing that exists to protect investors. And again, I feel like that's the wrong conversation to be having about, about digital assets, right? Because, the, the, the correct way to frame that in my mind is how do we formulate disclosure rules that take into account the information that's already available to everyone about 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 digital assets by the nature of blockchain, you know, and so as long as as long as we're trying to fit digital assets and blockchain economies into the existing rubric of securities laws. Commodity derivatives laws, the um, Bank Secrecy be Act. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're going to be behind. We're going to be behind the rest of the world because I don't. The sense I get is like that, that's not the question that they're asking in the UAE. That's not the question they're asking in Singapore.
0: You know, no, it's like they're trying to fit a, a circle and a square peg. And they're yeah. they're th- you're thinking they're basically their first premise of thinking of like you know you like compliance first. Um, And then on top of that, it's like, okay, like how can we put it in existing like regulatory frameworks? You have a completely new technology. It's like, you don't fit radio, you don't fit television to radio. You don't fit the internet into television. Um, So it seems like from the bat that US policymakers that you're talking to, and that looks, sounds like that they're in charge, they're like going off the the wrong way, unfortunately. Um, Do you think there's like is what do you think is the right way to communicate with them that it's like, of like how to like start from like a different premise? Like, how can we like, um, what is the best way to like, get them to understand, like, listen, like that's the wrong way to think about it. It's like, okay, blockchain, it's this neutral technology, it's the protocols. And then like this compliance that you like, you want, we can like build on top of it. Like what's the right way to like communicate that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that we have to like, we have to, we're, we're operating at such a deficit in the U S right now. And I'm not, Purely blaming people in DC for that because, because we had, you know, you talking about kind of the, the FTX hangover before, and I think that that that's really that comes into play quite a bit when we're thinking about how to frame the discussion in DC now yeah. because they've been burned, right? They, they oh, they, yeah, from the perspective of you know, a lot of DC politicians, they were told oh, yeah, SBF's the guy. Like FTX is what, is what our industry should look like. And I think that, you know, it wasn't the people in our industry who are the, the true, like, blockchain diehards, right, who, who want everything on chain. They were never pointing to FTX and being like, that represents our industry. And and so, but but that was what the people in D.C. were hearing. And now they're like, well, this guy's like this massive fraud. And, you know, so, so where do we go from there? And I think that, as an industry, we have to get back to our first principles and make sure that that's, what's being communicated. And, and, and that's what, you know, groups like blockchain association and the other lobbying organizations are communicating, right. Which is that, you know, the, the sort of centralized traditional finance apparatuses like FTX do in fact fit into, uh, a mold that partially, at least, fit into existing uh, U.S. legal frameworks, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are, I, th- I think that you do need to look at like consumer protection rules and securities rules to a certain extent when you're talking about decentralized exchanges. But like, w- th- what I think needs to be communicated in D.C. is that we need a new legal framework that addresses the entities, the growing number of, of entities and business businesses that exist. Purely on-chain, right? And when we're talking about that, we have to get out of this custodial custodian model, right? Because the entire securities and commodities framework in, in the U.S. is built on this concept of custodians, right? Of a clearinghouse, you know, broker-dealers, all of that. And, like, you don't need it. In 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 DeFi and and even more broadly in in blockchain, right? Because you're talking about networks that are designed to work on a peer-to-peer basis, and so you know, I mean, it's like when when um, last week when we saw the uh, the rules for um, the, the 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 new it's not really new proposed regulations, but the surface proposed regulations about. Um, exchanges and, and on-chain exchanges from the SEC, you know, it's it, it it there is this idea that like, well you have to have an exchange that's an entity, right? And like, well you don't. Like like that's the whole point of of, of transacting on-chain, right? Is that I can go to Uniswap or any pancake swap, CalSwap, whatever, interact with any number of protocols that kind of superficially look like an intermediary but but they're not i mean i mean it's all automatic so it's 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 not really interacting
0: with a contract you're not interacting with a person or a trusted trusted like entity it's literally this permissionless smart contract they can go call and access
2: yeah yeah And, and and you know it's it's um and you know it's it we don't have um yeah, I think you guys had had uh, a on on here like a, like a, mm-hmm. like a little while ago. Yeah, we did. T- talking about Eigenlayer, right? And and like the way he's thinking, the way he describes what Ethereum is, right? Which is like this way of, of, of distributing trust over 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 a network versus having to like store trust up in these in these intermediaries like banks and 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 you know brokers and all that. Our legal framework is not ready for that. We, we do not have a legal framework that, that can actually accommodate this concept of distributed trust, right? Because what, what Gensler and co are looking for is they're looking for, well, who's the entity that's like making these deals happen and kind of like the man in the middle here. That's what an exchange is. And like, that is fundamentally a trust proposition, right? And they're saying, we want to regulate the exchange because they provide, they're like this fail point in, in the market. But the exchanges are not fail points in, in, in the market on chain. You know, I mean, if if there's an exploit or something like that, I mean, you have technical risk in everything, right? With, 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 with exports. And I think that, again, our securities laws, they don't accommodate like, what does a technical risk disclosure look like? like yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about like Apple getting hacked and me losing my Apple stock. So ba-
0: basically what you're saying is, U.S. securities law and regulations is primarily centered around the concept of custody and custody risk, and regulating that. And with you know crypto and blockchain, you know it takes care of custody through you know distributed ledgers through non-custodial contracts, and it just literally just does not match up. Like I said earlier, like the circle and the square peg, the square and the circle, yeah. it just doesn't match up. And there's no framework, and they're trying to force it in. And it's just is not working. And it seems like there's been no political will for the longest time to like create like a proper framework for like to create like a circle peg for the circle peg. The circle, yeah. So,
2: yeah. yeah I mean, and, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, you have Gensler, you know, and talking about like, well, I don't need new, new laws to, to, to regulate crypto. And it's like, this. I mean, maybe you don't because you don't want to see – you you don't want to see digital – you want to see the digital asset market go away completely, which is why you think that – What, what we, do they gain for if,
0: like, let's say it does go away completely? Like, what do they gain if, like, just, like, it just goes away from the U.S.?
2: Well, so I think that there's, like, incentives on, like, different levels, right? And I think for um, for a guy like Gensler personally, who's got – he's got ambitions. He wants to be head of treasury. You know, he, want, he wants to scalp. You know, he wants he wants to say, hey, I identified a bad guy and I took him out and that's why I deserve a promotion. And like and I don't think it's really much deeper than that, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, for him. But, you know, and I and I think that like on a systemic level, though, you have banks and, and, and those type of institutions that are not thinking they understand they're sophisticated. They understand blockchains not going away. Like there's not going to be a uh, 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 the genie's not going back in the bottle, but what they want to see is enterprise blockchain. You know, J.P. Morgan they have their own blockchain. Evcorum. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. exactly. And 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 the idea of you know they maybe want to see Ethereum exist in terms of like a base layer world computer, right? That they can build their enterprise you know on on top of but like these institutions again it it comes back to this idea of centralized trust right these institutions have the centralized trust which is in a certain sense expressed through the licenses that they have and and in a more sort of ephemeral sense expressing their history and 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 how they're regarded in, in in Washington and other countries right and so and so they want to you leverage that um those, that existing control that they have in the new economy, right? So they want to see a system of, of blockchain regulation that respects the licenses and the position that those institutions or that are.
0: keeps their entrenched monopoly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So 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 you know, it's it's um, they are they are equally invested in this idea of trusted intermediaries, right? Because they are the
0: trusted. That's a, that's what the whole business model is created off of it's like based off of like we have the licenses we have the name trust us we'll take care of you you can like put your money here and there's a lot of power with that and there is a lot of you know peace of mind with that um but you know going back to the stablecoin bill like one thing that i do like about the stablecoin bill is how it will offer stablecoin licenses to both depository and you know non-depository institutions like that's one thing that they got right. And that's one thing that was like fought for over like the past few years, like talking to the executive branch and treasury department, because that wasn't originally in there. It was supposed to be only depository institutions, but the fact that like, you know, any new like FinTech, not any new FinTech, but like any respected FinTech can like go in and apply for like a proper license and it'll be issued in like 45 days or 90 days. Like that's at least like a promising step. And I think the most important thing about the Sibcoin build that it just provides a framework and for stable coins to exist so there's no you know gray area and um it's the first step for like any type of crypto regulation to be passed in the u.s and so if like this gets passed there's like you know hopefully like forward momentum um but like personally i'm not sure if i see it like getting passed i'm not sure about you like i don't know you don't want to make any sweeping judgments yet uh, but like what do you think the chances are of this passing i mean i think they're low
2: right because the chances of anything this besides like renaming a post office passing is low. You yeah
0: know? well this is this is my take, well, like, because I've, like, looked into this, like, a good good amount from my Eats Denver speech and, like, whatnot. Like, it's, like, def- it's going to, like, go to the floor in the House because of McHenry, you have French Hill, you have Tom Emmer. Um, you know, the biggest roadblock is, um, you know, Sherrod Brown from the Senate, who's the chair of the Banking Finance Committee. And um, I was talking to somebody and it's, like, I'm not sure if, like, any bill has gone past the Senate Banking Committee, crypto or non-crypto, like, anything. And like the past six years of his like incumbency. So even if this wasn't a crypto, it was like something else. Like the chances of this going through this is like quite low. Um, And like, I'm wondering if there's like any like narrative that, I mean, like, I know Sherrod Brown's like known for being anti-crypto, but like, I'm like to be an optimist. And so I'm just like, is there any way to like convince him like, hey, there's like actual adoption here. This is like with payment stable coins, you know, this is like, we can like, you know, this like offers, you know a real chance for adoption, like both in the U S and like expanding, you know, dollar dominance and influence out the world. Is that like, and like what would be your pitch
2: to Shroud Brown for this
0: bill to patch?
2: I mean, look, my, my, you know, I think that what has to happen for, for somebody like Sherrod Brown to like actually oh, Sherrod be, Brown. Yeah. Sh- sh- I think it should. Maybe. Sherrod, I don't know. Uh, Dude from Ohio. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Dude from Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh i don't know if you remember actually this is this is a total aside but like mm-hmm. uh like fall like 2021 uh he was like back when like abra and like time was blowing up and like mm-hmm. to the point where like he gave some he was he oh he was the
0: comment. one that said magic internet money, internet money. yeah he's, he's the one he's like it's literally called magic internet money <laughs> like,
2: yeah, man, that's awesome yeah. <laughs> thank you senator brown yeah <laughs> um, but, but uh, uh, you, you know, I, I mean, I think that, like, the, the ideal pitch, right, that I would like to give to somebody in his position is, like, your constituents want this. The, the people of Ohio want to be able to have access to this technology so that they can, you know, it's just another way for people to, like, buy things on the Internet, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's more frictionless. Than, than, than the existing payment systems that we have. And, and uh, you know, it's like we were, we were talking about the last time I was on. You know, you have um, these services like Venmo and, and PayPal that are very they're, less-
0: they're sa- They are stable coins. They're just private yeah. stable coins with their own private mm-hmm. ledgers. There's yeah. no difference. There's, right. If anything, it's-, it's like less secure because if they go bankrupt, you get just equally, if equally, if not more, screwed. At least
2: with yeah, like, and yeah. Not, nobody's telling PayPal how how what percentage of their holdings has to be in right. ninety day or less maturity treasuries. You know, like mm-hmm. that, that like, and and I'm fine with all that in the stablecoin bill. I think that like that's necessary to um, yeah I, to give people comfort and and probably to a certain extent is good practice. It kind of makes me laugh because it's like I read that bill and I'm like, I feel like I'm reading Circle's business model right. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that probably wasn't an accident. <laughs> no. uh,
0: I mean Circle's the only one really in DC lobbying on behalf of Stablecoins.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I, mean,
1: like, I was gonna say Circle is probably lobbying on behalf of Circle. That's, yeah. that's not to say that they're lobbying for stable coins, right? So, the closest no, thing.
0: Yeah. There's, some, there's something like paradoxal with being crypto in the U S, especially like in Stablecoins. It's because it's like. You want, like, good law, constructive laws to pass that would, like, let your industry to flourish. But, like, at the same time, you don't really want to get, like – you don't want to, like, put your – take the energy that you would put towards building, towards lobbying, and if, the, like, your lobbying efforts, like, goes wrong or or whatever, like, you that, you just don't want – you would rather just, like, focus on building than, like – Focus on like lobbying, you know. So it's just like there's something like very paradoxical. Like the people that are focusing on lobbying are like the SPFs types that have some tor- sort of agenda for like their own pers- for their own personal gain or for their company's game. Like the builders are going to build, and like the people that are going to like politic are going to politic. Um, I'm you know,
2: it's funny. I mean, just thinking about and, and this ties into the to the to the legislation. But like you know, I mean, I, I forget how long ago it was. Maybe like a month and a half ago when when there's. As Silicon Valley Bank went 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 up. Mm-hmm. It, it circle's like, oh, we have three billion dollars in there, and then there's all this fun about about Circle and like the the DPEGs over the weekend, and uh, you know everybody's sort of looking at it like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Like, it, no, Circle's still saying a US, US one USDC equals one dollar. So what's what's the, what does this really you know really mean? And it cracked me up, right? Because it's like, well, okay, this is what, what we're really talking about is like. Circle might lose access to like eight percent of its reserves, give or take. You know, mm-hmm. and like everybody's like, oh my god, but but then you know you compare it to something like Tether, where it's like, dude, I have no idea if Tether's no idea ten of its reserves today or yesterday or twenty percent. Like I have no way of knowing. No one does. Like, nobody does. And and like you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because Tether is a million times not a million times, but Tether is significantly more popular than USDC. Because of the global demand, right? It's not Americans primarily who are who are driving the demand for, for USDT. It's people who live in other countries who want dollar exposure because of the economic circumstances yeah. in,
0: in yeah. Those quite countries. literally the weird, real world adoption that we talk about with crypto happens yeah. with tether more than any other stablecoin. You can argue,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> tether
0: t- t- on Tron, tether on Tron,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It's got and it's got nothing to do with their reserves, and everything to do with the fact that we all believe that USD trust. Well. Yeah, I, that's and, what it comes down to. And and so you know, I mean, it's it's um, I think that ties into the stable one, stablecoin bill, because well, I think it was like maybe it was Jake Travinsky, I forget who was 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 making this point that like we need to pass stablecoin legislation in in this country because if we don't, the SEC. They're psyching themselves up for stablecoins or securities. Like, like, you know, that's where we're going with the SEC. And, and if we get there, then all that's going to do is force this massive stablecoin industry offshore. That's it. Because like. That's it. It's the, not going away. Es- it's not going away. The SEC saying stablecoins or security means fuck all to somebody in Nigeria who wants exposure to a dollar. You Know, yeah, and, and somebody's going to give it to them, and it's going to be
0: base uh, they, I learned of this new concept. Well, I learned of, it's not a new concept, but I like learned of it the other day of euro dollars, which are basically another word for offshore dollars that aren't in the Federal Reserve onshore US system, they're just dollars offshore euro dollars. And Tether is basically the on chain version of euro dollars. And if you like just say all stable coins of securities in the US. You're in effect just saying like all dollars are on chain are just euro dollars. They're all like offshore. Yep. (laughs) Like, and and that just like lose, you lose so much like regulatory power just by doing that. Like, just by pushing it, pushing it out of your own framework. It seems like, like I said, also like paradoxical just to do that.
2: Oh, yeah. And, and, and it would be, I think it would be catastrophic right like and again i like circle i think they they offer a good product think i think they offer a really like critical product in terms of institutional adoption of of uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of DeFi, especially because like they do you know the, the, it is useful to actually have a, a dollar on chain that's represented by a dollar off chain you know in a real sense like like there are people who do value that even if it's not the majority of, 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 users of a stable coin. And in that sense, I'm glad that they are most likely the driving force behind this, this legislation, because they have the incentive to do it. And somebody has got to do it, you know, somebody's, somebody's
0: got to like, you know,
2: put the team on their back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and like, and like, you know, there's, there's, def- I could definitely think of worse companies than circle to, yeah. to be, and, and you got to accept. That they're going to be arguing for the bill that most benefits circle, circle, right? Yeah, that's that's part of the game, you know. And it doesn't, it doesn't make it bad inherently. It's just part of it's just part of the deal, you know. And and so that's why I said, like I said, like I was saying before, can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If we mm-hmm. get some stablecoin legislation in the U.S. for the for for the reasons you stated, it's it's going to be a huge step forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just got a quick question for, for you though, Alex. Like can we play the uh, potential scenario where the stablecoin does become a security? Then how would the Fed issue their C B D C like well, know, cause, how, cause how does Fed, that play like, out?
2: That that plays out, I mean I mean that's actually somewhat of an easy answer, right? Because the Fed is like the Fed can issue securities, and those securities are exempt from all SEC rules. So, like, and this is, like, like the problem – I think we are talking about this a little, a little bit the last time I was on. This is the problem with, like, bringing treasury yield on chain, right, is that I can go buy as an individual. I have to jump through a bunch of hoops, but I can't. I can go buy, like, a 30-year T-note from the Fed, you know, and I can, and I can do that. And it is – in terms of the black letter definition of a security, definitely a security, right? They're guaranteeing the yield over, over the course of however long the, the, the bond is, et cetera. Um, the reason they can do that is because Treasury can offer tre- Treasury can offer securities without registration with the SEC, which makes sense, right? Because, like, the Fed is more or less the government, so why should it ask for the government's permission to do what it wants to do? So, if we had the Fed issue a CBDC, that would, I mean, like, in a certain sense, if you want me to put on my tinfoil hat, right, saying secure, saying uh, stablecoins are securities and enforcing that as a law is actually a step towards a CBDC, right? Because at that point, what you're really doing is you're sort of clearing the competition for the Fed to issue a stablecoin because the Fed can do it without registration. And, and so it's actually sort of better from the perspective of issuing a CBDC to, to have stable points treated as securities. I
0: didn't even think about that. It's like the Fed has yeah. a uh, do what it wants card. Yeah. <laughs> because of yeah. the Fed. Yeah, the, Fed, the rules right? don't apply to me, you know? Yeah. The rules don't apply. Interest, <laughs> we can have it.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, decide, they literally get to decide how much interest you do have, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I think that, but, uh, and, you know, I mean, I am um, just like, I think probably most, most people who, who, who are, you know, tuning into the show are, I'm like very skeptical of the CBDC.
0: I, I yeah. Think. And I was doing some, I think the fed, like some people that work at the fed are like self-aware of the risks that are associated with both like, you know, surveillance and like other aspects that come with the CBDC. Cause it's just like blanket, like Federal Reserve direct-to-consumer stablecoin. There's no, like, intermediary areas. It's, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's, there could be, like, a lot of pushback and, like, you know, a lot of abuse of power that comes with the CBDC, I think that's what, like, a lot of, like, people, like myself and people listening to this show are concerned about, because I think, like, what makes the the whole Federal Reserve system great is how we have, like, all these different, like, thousands of banks in the U.S. that can issue loans and commercial paper. It's actually quite powerful. That they can do that. It's actually quite decentralized in, uh, um, in a way for sure, um, you know, and like gets the economy going. And if you just like have a CBDC and try to do that, like the Federal Reserve doesn't know like the economy, the local economy of like the Pacific Northwest or the Southwest or the Northeast. Like I don't I, it's like I don't see it like working that well economically. I don't see it that well working well with like privacy. Like I just don't see a CBDC working like well for anyone.
2: Sure, I mean because we're not a cashless society, right? We're not going to be a cashless society. No. Like people, people need people need cash, even with you know the Venmos and PayPal's and all these ways of transacting online. Like people use cash for a reason. It's not, and it's not because of convenience. You know, it's because cash is, and it's a government instrument. You know, it says Federal Reserve Note right there on the thing. Yeah. It's a government instrument, but it's used to pay private government.
0: and public all all private and public debts.
2: Yeah, exactly, and 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 but but it is it's it's surveillance free money, and 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 that is um that's critical, right? Because like if I you know, and people think about it, I think people innately understand this, right? But they don't necessarily think about the implications of it, right? Like I want to have um cash around. Like if I want to like pay, pay my babysitter, right. I'm going to, I just want to use cash. Right. Because it's not like, it's not a significant transaction. Nobody needs to know about me paying my babysitter besides me and the babysitter. Right. And so mm-hmm. just being able to, you know, hand her something that that is a payment. And it's just between me and that other person is people use that all the time and they don't really think about it. And, and it doesn't mean, I'm like a bad person. I'm like a tax cheat, even though like maybe there's a tax impl- implication of that transaction that is able to be ignored because because there's there's cash, and like we need to be able to have that digitally. We need digital financial privacy, and and um, it's not it's not a bad word. It's not like and it sucks, right? Because when I say we need digital financial privacy. It almost comes off like I'm pro money laundering, you know, because because you're like, pro
0: self sovereignty.
2: Pro, well, that, I mean, that's 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 you a to better reframe way. That got yeah. to reframe that's the that re-branding. Language. Yeah. We rebranding. Yeah, we're rebranding it. <laughs> but but Alex no, is absolutely right. right. Yeah, I'm kind of willing to embrace the, the the pro money laundering label. To be totally honest, like I'm not. I'm not pro terrorist. I'm not pro drug dealer. I'm not pro kidnapping. I'm not pro any of the like things that are quote unquote related to, to to money laundering. I'm just pro people being able to enter into private transactions. Yeah, and and we're and, moving to this point in our society where that's not really allowed. You know, that's not and 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 I think that like and, and in it, it, I get I get frustrated with with the you you know with the money laundering. Um, rhetoric, right? Because it's like it, it, you, you're, 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 it conflates two things, right? It's like, well, we didn't want to keep money from flowing to North Korea or whatever. And okay, fine. That's great. Like, I guess I want the same thing, you know. But it doesn't mean that every transaction where the government doesn't know exactly what happened is benefiting North Korea. And I feel like yeah. that's how money laundering gets framed.
0: And, and it's yeah. problematic. There's like a lot of new, interesting tools coming out to, um, you know, for example, at ETH Denver, Sam and I, you know, saw something created by, I mean, uh, a tornado cache, but it allows you to uh, blacklist addresses from the tornado cache. So you can like say like, oh, I don't want to like tornado cache with anybody on the OFAC list. And so like, boom, you have like the self-sovereignty to both be private, but you also have the self-sovereignty to... Say like I don't want to be involved with like that money. I can like prove that those are like not my addresses as well, and so like I think like technology like that is like really empowering. Oh, absolutely, and and I and I
2: strongly support like uh, technology that allows the user to make that choice, right? Like, if if I want to choose to um like uh, not interact with people on the OFAC list, I should be able to choose to do that, you know. But what what shouldn't happen is that the software i'm using out of the box is 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 like coded where i don't have the choice i'm just not yeah. interacting with people on the ofac list now do i think it's unwise to interact with people on the ofac list very unwise to interact with people on the ofac list but that's a that's a choice that that, that a user should be able to make you know not i don't think it should it should be dictated and and so you know i do and i think that like when, when we started thinking about like um, you, you know, like tax reporting and that kind of thing, which is, you know, my background's tax attorney. That's that's near and dear to me. Like, how do you, uh, how do you do this? And like, like so many people, I just got done doing my income tax return and like trying to figure out how to like report all my on-chain transactions, and it's like a fucking nightmare, you know. Whereas like with my brokerage account. just like input the 1099b and it takes 30 seconds think
0: about how much productivity and time is wasted trying to figure out on-chain transactions when that time could be used for actually building (laughs) shit oh i know
2: man it's like it's like endlessly frustrating right and so like i really would love to have like more technology that exists that allows you to sort of like opt in either on like a private or public level to being like, I want to track this transaction for like, like I am a US taxpayer, I intend on reporting this on my income tax return, I want to track it, I want an informational return filed with the IRS. And like, as a user, I would opt into that, right? Because my intention is to like report all of my transactions to the IRS, it's just, it's difficult to do. And and so, you know, I mean, I think that like, um, that, that, and, and like, what? I feel like people don't realize about this technology, right? Is that so much of um, what we get used to in like a traditional economy uh, can be accommodated on chain, right? So like, I don't know if you, you you know, how much work you've done as like a contractor or whatever, but like you go contract with the company and like, okay, they need to get your W-9 from you so that they can issue you a 1099, right? At the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like, Fine. Like that's, that's fine. Like those reporting requirements, it makes sense to a certain, to, to a certain extent. Like I think that, that we need to be embracing tools on chain that like allow you to sort of like associate that information with your, uh, with, with your on chain identity when you interact with people. So it's like, instead of having a transaction where it's like, you're hiring me as a contractor and I'm sending you a W9 so that you can deduct the payment. When you identify my wallet on chain, I can have, you know, even in like possibly like a zero knowledge type encrypted fashion, all of the information that you would need to issue me the 1099 at, at, at you know, at the end of the year based based on whatever you've, you've paid me. And it can all be collapsed into, into an on-chain transaction. And like if that type of tool is available on an opt-in basis, people are going to opt into it. Some people are not going to opt into it. But the yeah, people-,
0: people like people want to follow the law and pay taxes. Like gen- yeah. generally speaking, like people like just want to like live their lives, mind their own business, you know, do what they got to do. And just be easiest if, not only if they do that, but imagine a, a future world where I could just like pay the government in stable coins. If I could just pay my taxes, taxes and fraxes, taxes and frax or taxes yeah. in like USDC, like, or taxes and in, in, any acceptable stable coin. That'd be great.
2: States have even adopted that up to this point. Okay. Some states
0: have. Arizona has. Arizona, you well, can pay. Yeah, uh,
2: Arizona allows you to pay, pay your taxes and like yeah. a couple of other like. I mean, and that's good. That's where it's going to bubble up from. I think we're a ways away from the from the U.S. government. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, get getting there, but but uh, it's it's uh, it it would be it would make for a more efficient tax system if we sort of adopted blockchain. It would be so much easier.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, hmm. you can just like show the IRS the here. Here's my you know ether scan of the transaction. This is like what I report. This is why I paid you. I'm done. Go off.
2: Well, yeah, and and you know, I mean, I mean, the the ability to like either use metadata that that's like accessible in an off chain sense, or like building it into the the, the actual transaction on chain, like. Like one of the so like one of the mo- so is a little bit technical, but one of the most complicated things that people find when they're reporting their taxes on um, on crypto transactions is like you need to know what your cost basis is of of the token that you sold in order to figure out what your taxable gain is. And like that, you you can get that information from EtherScan, but it's not um, necessarily easy to like match that up when you're just looking at you know, a, C, a CSV file of 2,000 transactions, like, well, where was the input that gives me this cost basis? But like, if you wanted to track that in real time, right? Like, like you could easily do that on on chain, right? You could say like, especially with NFTs, but even with, with, with fungible tokens, you can, you can simply have like that as an input, right? Where it's like, okay, I exchange, you know, ETH for Doge or whatever on X date, this was the value of the ETH. That's not on my cost basis in, in the doj When I want to go exchange my doj for for, for stablecoin, I know I know what my gain is based on this like forward-looking um, mm-hmm. transaction. And then you could even take it a step further and just have that reporting automated. Like again, I feel very strongly that this type of technology should be opt-in, right? But I think that it, you could like there are benefits to the government that would flow from adoption of of, of blockchain as a real for for financial transactions. Be, you know and uh and letting letting um you know but we're not going to get there ever in this country if we don't sort of accept on a political level that we have to like accommodate the industry which yeah. also like. do you, do you, do you feel speak- yeah sorry, do, do you feel like you know
0: 2024 next year is an election year it's a real turning point but do you feel like by the time elections come along like no matter what happens, is it too late for the U.S.? Is the U.S. going to be too behind when it comes to regulation and policy?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, like, here's the big issue I think politically in the U.S., which is that like, um, digital economies, you know, blockchain is still a niche political issue, and you could even see this because it's like if you look at the Gensler hearing, right? Like, there was very. The, the Republicans, I think, were more sort of unified in their opposition of what Gensler was doing. And then you had the Democrats who kind of ran the gambit in terms of, like, how they were treating Gensler with respect to digital assets. And then you had several people on the committee, more so on the Democrats side than the Republican side, who really didn't want to talk about digital assets at all and focused on things like ESG and that kind of thing that are, like, also important initiatives that, that, that the SEC is doing, you know? And, and so... It's a niche that to me demonstrates how niche the issue is, right? Because anything that's a major political issue in the US, you can tell because the parties are lockstep on one side or the other. And if you have somebody who doesn't follow that orthodoxy, it's quite remarkable. Whereas, like, it, it's not like that with crypto at all right now. There's not really an orthodoxy on it in, in, in either party. And so the idea, right? that we're gonna get um, real leadership from the executive branch, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican who wins in 2024, is is I think flawed, right? Because it's not an important enough issue. It's not like, it's, I
0: mean- Oh, I see what you're saying. It's, like, it's not an important enough issue, like, you know, for example, like something that's in a, re- like whether it's like, there's um, so many different, like, imp- <laughs> there's so many issues I could say right here. It's not an important enough issue for there to be like a lockstep like okay this is the party line like support this or you're banished it's like crypto's yeah. not like that because it's still this niche esoteric concept that's like in in a way like to outsiders kind of gimmicky it's like oh like dog coin go up or like oh like this and that like like people like people don't really look into crypto that deep they don't look into d- if like unless like listeners like, here,
2: yeah. I mean, that's just life, right? Like yeah. you have certain things that, like, you know, it's like if I was an air traffic controller, I probably have a lot stronger opinions on the FAA than I do, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like okay, like I, am not, I don't understand really what that agency does. Like, if you ask me, is the FAA, FAA fucking up right now or not? I mean,
0: like, but like, it know? seems like the party li- there seems like there's like a party line with like like Wall Street and finance generally, um, you know generally speaking like they're like you know or like at least like within parties like oh like let's rein in wall street or like oh let's like cut taxes and like there isn't really like that yet for crypto or or DeFi. yeah
2: and 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 even even that kind of thing it's like it's it's more rhetorical than anything else right because like you 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 definitely like nobody wants to go out there and be like yeah i'm I'm wall street's guy you know yeah i'm their guy you can count on me somebody's like that's not that's not a winning argument but like that is in fact true for most politicians right and mm-hmm. so you know it's it's uh but yeah we're not even there we don't even have like, there's not even like a rhetorical party line with crypto for most people like,
0: wow so we're like really like still in like the nonsense stages which is like in a way kind of concerning because a lot of countries like they're so much more mature in uh, in us and like they have policy they have frameworks they're like, this is what you can do and cannot do. And we don't have that. And the, so then you just have regulatory agencies that like want things to be clouded and in the dark and gray just to like, so they can just have this blanket enforcement action. And the longer there's inaction by Congress to make the laws, it allows executive branch to enforce whatever laws on the books, no matter how old and archaic they are.
2: Yeah. And and, and I mean, like, you know, it, it it's a uh, what, what in my practice right in my law practice i feel like i've 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 seen this shift over the last year where it's it becomes it's become so much less of me trying to advise protocols on how to comply in the u.s and so much more how do we move out of the u.s like what is that whoa can you repeat that can you repeat that that's a very
0: important point you just said
2: yeah no it's 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 it's, i'm saying that, that that like you know, a year ago, I felt like I was answering a lot more questions from protocols about, like, what is, how can we become compliant in the U.S.? And now similarly situated protocols are asking me, how do we move out of the U.S.? So we just escape U.S. regulation altogether, even if that means cutting off U.S. users. There's, there's enough of a global market in for digital assets right now that, like, the risk... That that companies embracing U.S. users of a protocol is is starting to be outweighed by by you you, you know it, it, or it's not worth it anymore right to to like the gains you get from from having those users. Like U.S. is a huge country with a lot of relatively wealthy people, so I don't say that lightly. You know, like there's a lot of U.S. money that that flows into crypto. I'm in the U.S. You know, I and I like participating. You know, in 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 digital assets and DeFi and, and, and crypto and and but like from a protocol perspective it's it's not worth the risk and it's really sad because like the protocols in my mind the protocols that are most at risk for for us enforcement actions are the protocols that are really on the forefront of pushing the envelope of of, of what blockchain means and and what i mean mm-hmm. by that is like there are types of transactions and products that you can create on chain that have no traditional finance analogy, right? Because of the trustless nature of of on-chain transactions and because of the composable nature of tokens, right? That I can have a transaction that I then symbolize with a token and then build another transaction on top of that token that's symbolic of, of this other underlying transaction. And like, there's no way to 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 be in compliance in the U.S. if you offer something like that. Full stop. You just can't do it. It's 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 not possible. And like that's real innovation that the U.S. is telling go overseas if you want to build that. And and people are going to go overseas and build it it's, because yeah. there is a demand for that for that type of product.
0: It, yeah, mm. it seems like time is really ticking. Uh, Kit, were, were you about to say something?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like um. Let me try to take the other side of, of this really sure. quick. Let's say yep. let's say the U.S. be like, yeah, I don't really care. Crypto, you go do your thing because I know in five years' time, when I do come out with the regulations, y'all come back. They always come back, you know? like well, Can't the U.S. just shrug it off like that and just be like, okay, go play in Singapore, play in the UAE, go a little globetrotting. But I know that the moment that I do put up rules and say, hey, I'm open for business – Every one of you lot will come and register your LLC or, or you know, uh, whatever entity it is that I had uh, dared to uh, create for you and fashion for you. And then you will come and line up.
2: I mean, I think that that's I mean, I think that's true. Right. I think that that, 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 that is probably what's going to happen. Right. Is that Gensler's not going to be there forever. The, 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 you know, political winds on this are going to shift um well it's one of two ways right i mean if if, if if digital assets and blockchain continue to grow i think that's what's going to happen if, if it all collapses and we're actually just trading scams with one magic other, internet money it's all just magic <laughs> internet money and, and, and three years from now you know, no you know we'll be back doing whatever like maybe that's i mean Maybe that'll happen. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a former case. And I think you're right. that if in, in that instance, the U.S. is going to say, OK, here's our framework. Now you can come in and register. And like if the SEC says that at that time, it'll actually be true. So like what's the cost of that? Well, the, the, the cost of that is that these other global financial centers will have a three, five, however many year head start on the U.S. and will be attracting Capital right into 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 those countries and like part of the U.S.'s ability to maintain itself as global hegemon right is like its control of global financial capital right that, that you know it is the, the financial center I mean like look if you think about like I don't want to get like too political but if you think about um things like Russia sanctions and Iran sanctions and that kind of thing like. Mm-hmm. That's possible because the U.S. controls the systems of global capital, right? Like Russia.
0: Swift and
2: all this. And all that stuff, right? And so if what we're saying for the next three, five, ten years, however much it is, is like go build the next um, infrastructure for global financial capital somewhere else, well, that's where the global capital is going to be at that point. And our ability to do things like Sanction Russia, sanction Iran, is gonna is gonna be greatly diminished, and maybe that's okay, right? Maybe, like you know, if I don't support the U.S. foreign policy, I'm probably okay with that, right? Um, but but I think from from I don't think the U.S. government's okay with it, and so I think I think from the perspective of, of the government, that's what they're gonna miss out on if if they chase everything overseas with this. But I mean, again. Yeah, That's positing on on growth that hasn't occurred yet in in, in the digital
1: economy. No, I, I think we should definitely posit on the growth of the digital economy kind of continuing where all three of us hope it to go to. But even at that point, I would feel however large kind of crypto grows to, it will still be, you know, maybe it'll be a couple droplets in the bucket versus now where it's one drop, one eye dripping drop. Right. And at that point in time, the U.S. is still... The, like you said, is hegemon over the financial system. It's, it may have reduced a little bit, but it's insignificant it's still, relatively.
2: Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. I mean, I mean, it could be, we could be in like, from the perspective, like a no harm, no foul situation, right? Where the government, whenever they decide, okay, this is what we're ready to embrace, um, you know, we'll all have, well, you guys will have gray hair, I'll have more gray hair, and, and <laughs> we'll just be fine. I hope that. not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cause, cause The reason why I'm i I'm, I'm kind of siding on this way is because, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of nations started coming out and be like, hey, you know, oil is going to be traded in this currency or all the Southeast Asian countries are banding together and using their local currencies or a basket of such as like the, the bricks. reserve currency, the bricks. Right. And all of these like news are coming out of, of the woodwork almost. At the same time, where the whole de-dollarization narrative of the media was really being pushed forward, but the U.S. you know government as a whole and the whole financial system is like, meh, <laughs> <Nah. laughs>
0: It's like we're still good. It's-
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's going to take a lot of
2: that for it to for it to to actually like make make an impact. But um, I, I mean, I don't. I, and, and I know it's you know I don't want to overstate the significance of like non-dollar fossil fuel transactions, right? But like there is a there is a reason why like UAE is so um, adamant about positioning itself in the sem- in the middle of the digital economy, right? Because like I think they do see like fossil fuels as a sort of legacy control of the global financial system, but um, If and but we still have fossil fuels and de-dollarize and then and the fact that fossil fuels are are denominated in dollars is a vestige of the U.S. control of of the economic system and like the fact that something some you know a a government like the UAE's government does actually see you know the digital economy as a way maybe rightly maybe wrongly of um, supplanting. Uh, fossil fuels, as as we sort of move away from that for for um, energy distribution, I think that, that that is actually like pretty significant in terms of what what the global uh, financial system is going to look like in ten years. And and um, and so a country like the UAE, Singapore, India, which is not a pro crypto company, China, you know, all of these countries are invested in. Um, knocking the U the US off the top of the hill as far as far as the global financial system goes. And um, and sort of tying it back into you know an earlier part of the conversation, like that's that's the cost of the US uh, m- missing missing the shot on on stable coins, right? Like it's kind of the most insane thing about stable coins, right? Is like we were talking about there's this like what Tether is doing is create is like fulfilling this global demand for dollars. Right, that's real. That that that's like a real vestige of the U.S.'s political and cultural power in the world is the fact that people want dollars, and if we don't, if we miss the chance to lean into that with stablecoin, we're missing a chance to shore up our our power in in the world economy. Um, and and you know, I think we're probably going to do that. We're probably going to miss that chance, but it. We're it's,
0: probably uh, going to miss that chance.
2: i I think so i mean that's that's, yeah
0: i mean yeah i i mean if in 2024 like i feel like it'll be too late by then i feel like you know policy is going to just evolve so much faster than we realize and we already see it see it like develop in front of our eyes in other countries and by the time like the u.s decides like okay it's time to get something in place well there's all these other frameworks already in place um and I'm, I'm not sure how much I buy the, the de-dollarization argument as much as other people because, like, yeah, like, you know, other countries are trading in their currency or they're trading in gold or even Bitcoin. But still, like, U.S. dollars make up the vast majority of transactions. And I don't see, like, the U.S. being the medium exchange going away anytime soon. Maybe, like, other currencies or, like, other, like, assets, you know, are used as, like, a store of value, like, maybe, like bitcoin or ethereum or gold maybe go back to gold or maybe other things but like it's hard for me to imagine a world where like the dollar goes away completely like you know maybe that's something that i think like changes over the span of decades not years but i could be completely wrong
2: well no i mean i mean but it's i mean i mean think about and i think it's it's correct to frame this in terms of like decades right but like think about what the digital economy looked like 10 years ago you know 10 years ago if I somebody what was it like somebody sent somebody else like three hundred fifty Bitcoin to pay for a pizza and it was like, Oh my god. You know, that was like that was like the 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 big moment ten years ago. So like think about where we are now and then what, what that kind of growth looks like in twenty thirty three. You know, it's it's I think that yeah. the, the digital economy is gonna look completely I, different.
0: Yeah, I just see, you know, blockchain will become the settlement layer of the global economy and the US is just pushing the ability to have the settlement layer within its borders out because yeah. of like, you know, stupid political games and ego games and this and that. And at the end of the day, it's our fellow countrymen that are going to suffer because they're not going to have able to access this global settlement layer in such a seamless and easy fashion as let's say like people abroad.
2: I mean, to the point where it's like, I mean, you know a question people grapple with now? And it's really sad, right? Like, how do I make sure that my uh validator node is not located in the US? Exactly. Right, and like right. and like how how are we how are we so blind politically that that, that, that that's that that's a an incentive we want people to have, you know?
0: Yeah. I I, and also like this is another thing. Remember the DYDX airdrop and like how like US citizens were excluded if these if you were like had a US IP? Pre- protected. protected it was it's basically <laughs> equivalent of that like spongebob meme where like spongebob and patrick are playing outside and Squidward's just like looking out the window it's like american citizens that were protected where like Squidward looking out the window and then it's just like everybody with the airdrop outside like having a ball you know it's like thanks thanks guys for protecting us for like I don't, it's just so dumb um that we just used laws from the 1930s about orange grove trees to regulate you know money that moves at the speed of light it's yep. i like that's such like a fucking dumb statement i just said but like that's a reality we live in <laughs> i mean and there seems like no political will um i mean like at least we got the stablecoin bill like to the floor that's some progress but like there's been no political will over like the past decade to do anything um and to like change anything at all and we're just like stuck in these frameworks um and it's just like, it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also,
2: I, one, one of these days I'll come on and we'll have some like happy shit to talk about.
0: Let's, you know, are there just, like, maybe there is some happy shit we can talk about. Is there like, what is there anything that you're optimistic about? Because we usually like bring you on to like see like, oh, like what's going on with US regulatory, which is like, uh, meaning a downer but like what what's like something ex- you're excited about in the blockchain and crypto space
1: well okay, actually wait, before we get there Alex before we get there I, I I want you to give me one more doom and gloom real quick uh, what, is, what is keeping you up at night
2: yeah oh man I mean I, I, I think that uh, I sort of alluded to it earlier but but this um the, the regs that these proposed regs that got resurfaced by the SEC last week. That shit makes me want to puke, man. Because, like, you know, they're talking about, like, and, and one very specific part of it I find incredibly disconcerting. We're, we're just going full doom pill right now. The, the like, you know, they, they're defining an exchange to include AMMs, right? In like, okay, I'm not even going to go into the reasons why that's dumb. But, like, oh, fine. You're going to do that. So what does it mean, then, to, to operate an AMM, who's responsible for, for the existence of an AM, AMM um, as far as like being an operator of an exchange. And like one of the comments that they got back to the, to the SEC is like, look, these AMMs are built by software engineers, right? Who have no financial upside with the operation of the AMM. They write the code and they get paid to write the code. And then that's that, you know. And then, and then it's it's like, it, you know, Uniswap's the classic example, right? It just exists in the world, especially V1, V2. You know, it's just it's just out there in the world. And and what the SEC says in in their description of these regulations is they say, look, we don't give a shit if it's um, a mutable code, if it's if it operates autonomously, it's an exchange, and the people who then created the exchange and are responsible for the exchange. Are the developers right and they take it even a step further they say it doesn't matter if the developer got compensated by the exchange itself to build the exchange if the developer got compensated at all from anybody they're part of the entity that's operating the exchange and it's putting devs in the crosshairs of securities regulations in a way that has never happened. What happened to Coda's speech? Well, fuck that. I guess is what happened. Like, <laughs> I mean, like I, I, don't,
0: I don't, I don't see how this like holds up in court.
2: Yeah, well, I hope it doesn't. Right, and again, I can think of like any number of reasons why um, that aspect of it isn't going to hold up in court, and why the broader premise that an AMM is an exchange is going to hold up in court, but like. That means someone has got to have their wife ruined fighting it in court, you know, in, in order to get the win. It's like
0: an unnecessary sacrifice.
2: And, and it's, and, and, and more than that, it, it's like, what I worry about is like, there's like so much talent in blockchain right now. Oh so yeah. Many, you know, like, I'm, I, and I, I mean this in all sincerity, like some of the smartest people who I've ever met in my entire life are blockchain devs. And, I worry because like if I'm a lawyer and I'm telling that a person who's who's a blockchain dev, hey, the SEC might come find you into oblivion if you build, you know, any kind of infrastructure that operates on chain, that very smart person is gonna say, I should go do something else with, with, with my talents that's less risky. And it's it's difficult to like. Put a number on that. You know what
0: I mean? Like, yeah. The amount I mean, of, yeah, the amount of people are getting, you know, kind of scared and kind of just driven by fear to go out of blockchain. And also the way that blockchain is perceived in the U.S. as being like kind of gimmicky and this kind of like niche thing. You know, like a lot of smart people that like would be in blockchain and that would be interested in like the interdisciplinary nature of the space just aren't because they just don't, you know, it's just encouraged in the society that we live in. And it's kind of sad. It really is kind of sad. Yeah,
2: it's sad. So that's like, in that's really what's keeping me up at night. Because, and I think that this framework, in terms of how protocols are organized and have been organized over the last couple of years, it puts a lot of it on its head, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's been been this idea of like, okay, we're going to have this dev code that's like fully insulated from the other like economic activities of the protocol. And it's just the way that we're going to like pay the developers to build this stuff. And the, that I think is going to go away, if you know, because like it doesn't matter under this under this rubric. It doesn't really matter that you've created this separation. If the person's being compensated for building an AMM, then they're just that's it, that, you know. And and uh, and and so I, I, I worry about what what this is really the impact this is going to have on that, on on protocols going forward. I, I think it's going to be pretty. It's going to cut deep.
0: Um, speaking thank of you. like, thank you for the. I have another food. question. <laughs> um, speaking of like, you know, going offshore, uh, Coinbase announced today that they just got a license in Bermuda. So, opens the derivatives exchange. They did have a derivatives exchange at one point in the US, but they shut it down. Yeah. Um, it was just like very light leverage. It was like 1x, 2x, 3 x, I'm like, very light, but they, uh, you know, shut it down for obvious reasons but um what is your take on uh coinbase not only going to bermuda but also threatening like hey if like we need to go offshore we will
2: yeah and i think there's some talk about that they're actually talking to the uae as well you know and and i think that that, that that's probably there's, there's a certain like that makes sense i mean it's it's uh you know i i Coinbase, I feel like is is invested in in fighting the securities fight with with the SEC in the U.S., it, it, and they're able to do it in a way that that no nobody else really can. And, yeah. and I, 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 I'm not gonna say I trust Coinbase because they're a huge corporation. I don't trust huge corporations, you know. But I I think they are gonna see that fight through. Through. As yeah. government, but they are. Uh, Huge corporation. They have, they their have incentives. Operate, they have incentives. They have to operate in the interest of their shareholders, and that means if there is regulatory arbitrage that can benefit them uh, when it comes to offering derivatives, they kind of have to do it. And and mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's. Uh, but I, I don't see it as as Coinbase abandoning the U.S. I, I just think that Coinbase is is realistic. They're like, yeah, okay, they're hedging it, themselves. Well, they're hedging themselves, and they're saying, like, look, if if the U.S. government, we're gonna do what the U.S. government says, right? And and they've been very clear on that. Their dispute with the SEC is not, we're not gonna do what you say. Their dispute with the SEC is, you haven't told us what to do, you know. And 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 so if 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 the message to, to Coinbase is you can't offer a certain type of derivative in the U.S., they're not gonna offer that kind of derivative in the U.S. But that doesn't mean they're not gonna offer it offshore. And, and they mm-hmm. should offer it, you know. And, and I, so I don't read like a, like a ton into it. I think that it's, okay. uh, fair, you know, it's just good business. And and like, uh, if if they weren't doing regulatory arbitrage, I'd be more concerned.
0: I'm a businessman. I do business things, as uh,
2: <laughs> someone
0: once <laughs> said. Um, but going back to my last question about you know positive things and that you've noticed in the space, um, I, you know, I, I've, what 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 is something that you know makes you hopeful makes what, what's something that's like ah there there's a light at the end of the tunnel there's something that i can like look forward to in the space
2: uh, so so i do i do really want to like plug some work from 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 a friend of mine that actually just let's plug it let's plug it um so so uh, 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 gabe shapiro who's, who's general counsel over over at delphi labs uh
0: shout uh, out stuff. gabe
2: yeah gabe's awesome uh one of like one of the best lawyers in crypto if not the best lawyer in crypto um can't can't say enough good things about gabe just published an article about um cyborgs which are which 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 is his abbreviation for cybernetically enhanced organizations and uh Mm. it's um it just came out this morning so it'll be old news i guess by the time that the the episode comes (laughs) out um but a timeless classic that can be
0: read at no Anytime. Whatever. No, I think yeah. that it's
2: really, it's really critical And anybody who's interested in being involved with DAOs on any level, whether you're an attorney or not, should read this article, because he has come up with just, I think, a, a, a new framework. So Cyborg is a cybernetically enhanced organization. And, and what he's trying to come back to, like, first principles of DAOs, right? And like, DAO is such an overused term. And we have so many entities, organizations that call themselves DAOs that are not really DAOs. And so, you know, part of this is like, let's come back to like what it means to be decentralized and autonomous, right? And, and, and that means on a fundamental level, the organization is on chain and is subservient in every way to on chain activity. And so the the, the the problem that he's grappling with and trying to solve in this article is how do we hardwire these entities, right? You hear this thrown around all the time, DAO wrappers, right? These legal entities, right? How do mm-hmm. we wire these entities in terms of their governance structures in a trust-minimized way so that on-chain activity truly dictates, what these quote-unquote real world entities are able to do and can do and and um it's so refreshing to see um this kind of thought coming out um especially of, of like legal crypto which is like i think oftentimes more stagnant than um than, than devs and uh um you know the, the other kind of movers in the space but it's very refreshing to like take a totally new look at how we think about um, on, uh, about on-chain organizations. And the other thing that he really stresses, and I think this is important, right, is like just because like one of the reasons why DAO is, is, is an overused term is we don't have another term to describe an entity that's organized on-chain. And we want mm-hmm. every entity organized on-chain to be a DAO. Well, just because an entity is organized on-chain, that doesn't mean it's got to be decentralized or autonomous, right? It just means it's on-chain. Yeah. And so you can say the same thing about DeFi. You can say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's accurate about DeFi as well. Yeah. Um, and so, and so just because, so like thinking about um, these entities that's cybernetically enhanced, right? Like the cyborg thing. I, I'm not like that sci fi, whatever. But like thinking about them in a different way besides DAOs, right? Where you're just like, what we're saying is we have an entity, we have an LLC or whatever that's like fundamentally just a regular old LLC. But like instead of having it controlled through a pen and paper contract that we all agree on what the contract means, we want to have this LLC controlled on chain, right? And our activities on chain um, are what ultimately like dictates both the actions and the ownership of of, of this entity. And Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I mean, you run into limitations, right? Because like fundamentally. Fundamentally, the problem with tokenizing something like LLC ownership is we don't allow bearer share entities, right? So, like, if I if I own my LLC, like I have a law firm, right? I'm 100% owner of it. You you can't like steal that from me by like taking a piece of paper, right? If that's you know, we have to like solve for that on chain, right? Mm Where a wallet and like, oh crap, I just lost my LLC. Somebody else is yeah. I
0: mean that. I mean, there's like a layer zero that comes into that. Like, let's say you know. Your wallet gets hacked and like, oh, go, there goes your LLC NFT or it's like, no, like people aren't going to recognize that.
2: Yeah, no, there's, there's certainly on-chain solutions. And so, you know, I, I think that it's, it's really great that people are thinking about how do we organize entities on-chain in a way that's not like completely superficial.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. And, uh, as we get to the close, um, uh, we have a, a new, uh, did you have any other questions or should we go to the new no. bio round? Yeah. So, you know, since you've been on before, we have a, a brand new round of, uh, quick fire questions. Um, Kit, do you want to kick it off or do you want me to kick it off? Go ahead, bro. Yeah. Uh, first fire question. What is your favorite food?
2: Uh, barbecue, no question about what it. What
0: kind of barbecue? Like barbecue ribs, barbecue I'm chicken? A brisket. Guy.
2: brisket. I'm, I'm, brisket. brisket. Yeah. I'm a brisket
0: guy. Ooh.
2: I just, I actually just bought because I've been out of the out of the barbecue game for a minute. I just bought myself a big green egg. It gets delivered next week. I'm getting I'm getting back into barbecue this summer. He's
0: getting he's saying back on the grill, boys. Watch out. Yeah. Tea
1: or coffee or favorite stimulant? Uh
2: I'm definitely coffee. I got nothing against me, but but uh, co- coffee's my go-to.
0: Since it's four twenty, favorite weed strand?
2: See, see, we did this the last time. Right question. Then,
1: this is the right question I, for him.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so and so, you know, I am. Um, I I've actually refined my answer on this a little bit because I had one of those dome moments after we hung up last time where I was like, I should have said. And now you're giving me a chance to correct the record. redemption right here. Redemption right here. So like. To me, genetics is like a small part of what makes weed good, and, and like it's a critical part, right? So like I view genetics as like a gating issue. If you don't have good genetics, you can't grow good weed. But what makes weed good is like everything you build on top of the genetics. So like so like your nutrients, your 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 light, your light system, you know. And like the older I get, it's funny. I used to when I was younger. I used to really like the uh, real flashy weed, you know, like indoor grow, big lights, big buds, lots of crystals, you know, like, like, uh, just real, like, that kind of like pretty weed. But like, as I get older, I'm actually like starting to more appreciate like the outdoor stuff. Right. You know? Like, weed that's grown outdoors with the like, it's not pretty buds, you know, they're tighter buds, like, but, but like, it's, um, and, and it doesn't have the like crazy like forty percent THC content or whatever that that you like want to put on the package. It's, it's like kind of it's usually cheaper too because it's like not pretty, not as potent. But uh, mm-hmm. in terms of things like the kind of intangibles like the terpenes, the smell, the taste, I think you get a lot more of that with, uh, with when grown outdoor than you do uh, than, than you do indoor. You know. And so, you know, cause I'm like a joint guy. So I, like, I like this. Yeah. I like the taste a lot. And, and uh,
0: I like the process of rolling J's and then smoking There's something very ceremonial about it. And of course, like the taste, the way it hits, it's, it's great. J's all the way.
1: Yeah, I just like to roll J's so I can roll it for both of you guys. <laughs> the next time we're all together. Oh.
2: Yeah, I, I know, better. man. I was sad. I saw you. We got to chat briefly in Denver, but we didn't get to burn one, man. I know. Next year. Next year. Next year. Next year.
1: Next year. Next year. I'll join you guys too. But uh, another one from for me, Alex. Say, okay. if you could have a dinner with anybody, dead or alive, who would that be, or what would that be?
2: Hmm. Damn. Oh man. Uh, I, I probably do Kurt Cobain, man. Mm. Oh, just, 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 just to like, man, because that, that guy was like at, at, at the crossroads of like, of like such a huge shift in popular culture, and he was leading it, and he didn't realize it. He didn't. He just saw same same thing with somebody like Brad Noel from Sublime or something like that. You
0: know? mm. Oh yeah. It
2: was this shift in like pop culture that was a result of their music. And what like, was
0: that shift? You think. Like where was it it
2: Yeah, I I mean, it was it was it was like it was this first move to like, uh, it it almost ties into like decentralization, right? It was this kind of like up from the bottom kind of like move in 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 popular music, right? Where like the like more so with Nirvana than Sublime, but but like you the the sound that they had was like not it was informed, you know, by music history, just because everything is everything's related, but it was like a new sound that wasn't, like, ready for the radio, and radio mm-hmm. had to kind of, like, shift to accommodate it in a, in a way that, like, um, didn't, like, they, they, I think that that industry was not used to doing. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and but, like, the reason I would like to, like, chat with somebody like Kirk Cobain, right, is because, like, he wasn't, I don't think he was really making music to, like, change how music worked. He was making the music... It reflected like you know he's from like Aberdeen, Washington, which is like don't ever go there. It's a total dump, man. It's not it's not the place you want to be from. You know it's 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 very depressing and mm-hmm. and all that. He was just trying to make the music that reflected who he was. And he ended up kind of like changing the world. You know, I would it's love just to by like, accident, just by accident. yeah, <laughs> just, you know, just I'm by being
0: him, like, just by doing his just, thing,
2: just by doing his thing. Yeah, so it's like to me, it's like. You know, I've never met anybody like that who's really done that, so I want to like talk to him and like and like just find out what that experience was like.
0: Mm. very cool. cool and last and question then, uh-huh. I got this one. okay. your recommendation on who you would have on the podcast next, who should we interview on flywheel uh
2: man, you guys like you guys get all the good people though so
0: oh uh, thank you. Who haven't uh, we gotten yet?
2: Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm like. I'm like trying, trying to think about. Um, uh, you know, you know who you guys should should. I, this is kind of a deep cut, and he's like a good friend of mine. But like, I think that that it would be. We like
0: the deep cuts. We like the deep it's
2: cuts. Cool to like to like see him on a podcast, especially like y'all's podcast, because you like really like getting into the weeds. Is is my boy Wen Moon? Oh, Wen Moon, that's a good one. Oh. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's like the best treasury manager out there. Like he really, and he's not a TradFi guy. He's not coming at it from like, Oh, th- I'm trying to like do like, uh, 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 you know, like make traditional finance work on chain. He's like
1: diversification.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, he understands how on-chain economy works and how to formulate strategies within that particular content context. He's like, He's like almost like a homegrown, like a blockchain trained economist. He's a DeFi native economist. DeFi he's a DeFi native, yeah. DeFi
0: native treasury manager. And I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. I I see him like almost at every conference and we always chop it up. So, you know, definitely a long time coming.
2: Yeah. He's super smart. I mean, I mean, it'd be great. And, yeah. and uh, I think y'all would have, it would, it would be a recommendation. Fun yeah. That's a
0: really good one. Yeah. We just put it on the list. Yeah. Alex, as always, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of doom and gloom, but I think there's a lot to be hopeful for. I mean, as long as we have people like you and, you know, our our legions of uh, Americans, like, fighting in, in, in D.C. and beyond. And just honestly, like, heads down building, whether that's, you know, building projects or just, like, building relationships and formulating policy, you know, whatever happens, happens. I think everything works out the way it should, so. We'll still be here. We're still building. We'll still be doing flywheel. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and we're excited to have you next time.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me back. It's always a thank pleasure. You, thank, thank you. you. All right, guys, stay care. Stay, stay care. Ya. Welcome to the post game of
0: this flywheel interview with Alex G formerly of Umani. Let me correct myself. Sorry, but, uh, Kit, this interview, um, you know, it's it's interesting how much has happened in the past 3 months since he first came on cuz I feel like when he first came on it was kind of like yeah it, like things weren't looking like so great regulatory wise but like now like I think the the biggest moment of the interview was when he said like a year ago I was selling projects on like how they could be compliant in the US and now I'm just selling projects or like advising pro- projects straight up like where is the best jurisdictions to be based outside of the US and that is just, such a dramatic shift because you know a lot of these projects and just, they want to do they, they'll go the path of least resistance and it's pretty amazing now that the path of least resistance is just going outside the US because of like the climate so what are your thoughts on that what 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 was your biggest takeaway from this interview
1: i mean my biggest takeaway is that the government just doesn't care And if they do care, they care in the worst way, right? And I feel like they just pick a boiler plated excuse, whether it be, oh, blockchain is used by criminals. Well, during the show, I just did a quick Google search and per the uh, MIT earlier this year, or rather in 2022, they said that less than 3% of transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain is criminal activity or criminal related so uh, yeah yeah yeah, and then then for that excuse mm -hmm. and then the next excuse they'll pull on and be like well crypto doesn't really fit in our current regulations and we're trying to make it fit so it's like like they're just picking excuses from a bag of excuses and just see like kind of what sticks and what keep the people just assuage the masses
0: i mean you hit the nail on the head when you said that the government just they don't they don't care enough to even can make proper frameworks or regulation you know and that's illustrated when alex said like there's no party line that people fall under it's just kind of like still over the place like it's it's kind of forming like you know republicans have definitely come out as more pro-crypto generally democrats are a little bit more all over the place but it's not like a contentious issue it's not like or like thinking i'm thinking like of like oh like abortion or like oh like yeah. Israel exactly. Palestine or like oh like where like people are just like locked up. This is like your position here and there and now. Um that doesn't exist in crypto yet. It's because they like there's no political will there's for it yet. Maybe there'll be a political will like as like more people get you know go on chain, but that like adoption hasn't happened yet. Um that you know so um what are you what do you have like a favorite part of the interview? Is there like other parts yeah. of the interview yeah, what was it?
1: So like I I really liked it when um, Alex was talking about how there are more than just DAOs on the blockchain. Or rather, an entity in crypto doesn't have to be a DAO or a C-Corp. You know, like there's there's a whole spectrum of types of entities that could exist. And we've just yet to create the proper terminology or the language. We're one of them. We have a multi seg but exactly. we're not a DAO. Exactly, exactly. Right, but then I'm like, you can't call us, you know, saying that we're a group chat doesn't sound as good as like, you know, we're a DAO. <laughs> but in in reality, when a lot of these projects are just like, hey, we're a group chat, <laughs> you know, what literally, I mean? yeah. Um, so I I like that, and I think that is that is the proper advancement we need mm-hmm. in the space, and it, hopefully this spreads like a meme where like more, more things starts to pop more different entity types, uh, yeah. layers to the shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I wonder what like the name would be like an open organization or like an on chain or an on chain org. I, I, I like the part we were talking about like the cyborg organizations mm-hmm. and the thing mm-hmm. that Gabriel yeah. Shapiro wrote, I definitely want to take a read on that. Um, another part of the I interview mean, that stuck out to me was how the conversation in DC hasn't really changed or evolved or advanced at all. Like he said, he went to like some policy dinner or some policy Mm -hmm. meetup in DC with like, you know, traditional DC folk and whatnot. And they were still talking about AML and compliance and then like this, and they're talking about like the same, like the same old issues, the same thing. And they're just thinking in a mindset and framework that is not compatible to blockchain, even if it is to like accomplish their goals of compliance. It just will never work because, like I said in the interview, it's trying to
1: fit a circle and a square, just not going to happen, or like a square and a circle. But that's expected, right? It's like, how could you expect them to take the extra effort to spend the five seconds I did to Google what percent of blockchain activity is criminal related? You yeah, know, like, and, the, and well, what more yeah. data do we need to kind of shove in front of them for them to kind of, yeah, you can the only situation. open
0: the door and be like, come through. Here, the door is open. Come through. Come. Through. You can, they have to walk through it themselves. And the thing is, like, a lot of these policymakers of regulators and aides and whatnot, they have so many other things on their agenda. And crypto is, like, somewhere in the middle or like, towards the bottom. Like, we're it's very lucky right now. It's a footnote. We're very lucky right now where we have a house finance committee that actually cares to, like, bring something to the floor and have a discussion about it. There's actually now a subcommittee. Specifically for digital assets, so there's like some progress being made, but you know it's honestly not enough. There's like a lot more that needs to be done, um, and that just hasn't happened. And it's just like it's hard to imagine it, like you know, just flipping a switch. Um, and even if it does flip, flip a switch after 2024, you know, sh- you know Senator Sherrod Brown is up for re-election. Um, you know, presidency mm-hmm. is up for re-election. Hell, Elizabeth Warren's up for re-election. I personally think Sherrod Brown like that's the most important race like right there but even if like that is it going to be too late then like by 2024 are these other countries are gonna have frameworks or like all these other projects are going to be based on the jurisdictions like it could be too little too late
1: yeah and and also just just to backtrack a little bit like everything we said is not to diminish any of the efforts of say the blockchain Alliance oh no no, 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 or any, no, no no any of the lobbyist group right like they are fighting yeah. the good fight, and we yeah. kind of need them there to. We need them kind of there lobby our interests. So, like, totally, all the power to them. Um, yeah,
2: just, these are just our observations. Those these guys just that don't our, care, yeah.
1: you
0: know. Yeah, these are. I'm, I'm just saying my observations. I'm just. These are just our observations, and like you know, I commend the people at Coin Center and the Blockchain Association. Like, hell, Frax sent. 60,000 fracks to the Coin Center. They donated 60,000 <laughs> fracks to Coin Center. Um, and like something that we can do is just, you know, lender support whether it's like, you know, d- you know, just donating money to them, even calling our senators, calling our congressmen, um, doing coordinated campaigns when elections come around. I think that'll be very important especially like these like key races like Sherrod Brown, you know, like that's that's going to be like really do or die. Like what we what happened with the infrastructure bill? when crypto just rose up as an industry to like have their voice heard about it, like we needed to have that again. Um, and I, it's definitely possible. Like if if people can get riled up about like meme coins to get riled up about, you know, the future of the industry.
1: Yeah. I I also want to, um, see if people get riled up, if we're able to get all the crypto legal egos, from obviously Alex G we'll throw in Jake Tversky in there. We'll, we'll have, you know, Gabriel get, get, get them yeah, all up, get them all here. Get, get all the legal and, and Ryan as well too. Right. Obviously. Right. Yeah, so, so bring all the legal eagles together and just kind of have them have at it. And you and I would just be like, you know, flies on the wall and just, just kind of listen to the way yeah. they debate, you know, legislature and, and such. I think that'd be a really cool pod. Yeah. um,
0: it is there anything from that interview that you're hopeful about? I mean, yeah, it's a lot of doom and gloom, but are you hopeful at all for, you know, regulation I'm, in the U.S.?
1: I, oh, I mean, I, no, you kind of threw me a curveball there. <laughs> I'm mean, hope, hopeful about regulation in the U.S.? No, but hopeful about regulations writ large all over the world? Yeah, I, I think one of these countries and the nations are going to find... The right policy, or the the right flexibility, rather. Let me say that differently. One of these nations will find the right flexibility where crypto will like flourish and and will work within that mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, regulatory slash legal confinement. And yeah. I think at that point in time, because even though right now, like if you talk to this DAO, they probably have a very different legal structure relative to that other DAO or you mm-hmm. know that other entity who is working. Uh, who built an amm like so everybody has like all these different legal setup, and it's just it's just so damn confusing you know yeah so I, I i'm bullish on that when things are more streamlined and everybody has kind of the same structure just like mm-hmm. how like delaware c Corp is like the go-to for startup funding right yeah. as as an investor yourself you know if delaware c corp super easy here i know exactly yeah. how to how to process that you know investment you know, I'm mm-hmm. I, I I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm hopeful about
0: the Bitcoin legislation. Like like I said, actually, un unpopular opinion. I'm hopeful about it because I'm happy like something got introduced to the floor. Because last session, even like in the wake of Terra Luna collapse or FTX, nothing could like nothing got to the floor. Like hell, mm-hmm. McHenry called it like an ugly baby of a bill. Like it just shows how mm-hmm. optimistic. But we finally got something to the floor. Um, mm. I think if it's framed in the proper way, if we frame stablecoins more akin to PayPal and Venmo than, it, it, than to cryptocurrency and Dogecoin and whatnot, then I think there's like a chance for mm. a narrative to gain steam. And I think if you highlight, you know, the adoption and merits of stablecoins to the likes of Sherrod Brown and like, you know, maybe he gets, you know, maybe he has a change of heart because no, no, no. I, I just see Sam shaking his head. Um <laughs> But like, like I said this in my speech, like, don't you want your fellow countrymen to like do well? Like, don't you want like, you know, it would be such a win. It would be such a win if like this fat, like, you know, bipartisan people, like Democrats, say like, oh, like we're reigning in crypto. Republicans say like, oh, like we established a framework for like crypto and stablecoins is the first step. Like, that's my like optimistic, hopeful take. It's like this, like some type of like stablecoin legislation, like does pass that provides a framework for like both like, you know, depository and non-depository institutions. Would be like a really good thing to add in there is exemption from the Bank Secrecy Act, like me did at the end of the year when before he retired? So it is actually like the equivalent of cash, what Alex talks about. So you know, I think we got to beat that drum. And yeah, uh, anyways, wrapping up this post game. Thank you everyone for joining us. If you want to catch all the post games, interviews, and everything in between, make sure you hit that bell button. Subscribe to us at Flywheel DeFi. We're here every week bringing you content. Make sure you leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Give us a like. Show us your support. Follow us on Twitter at FlywheelDeFi. Join the conversation at FlywheelDeFi. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFi Day 22 You can follow me at 0 Capital underscore K. And subscribe to the Substack and we'll see you next week. Go, 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 go. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and it's not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets, or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.